And hello again, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Sunday Card right here on your Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts here. Also on Sports Country Radio, for those who listen on the weekend, we thank you. Uh, Dan Zampano, Matty Ice, Matty C, Matt Silberth, the Lemon Pepper, Lou Paracone producer, back this week, uh, live in the flesh. I can see his giant guns. I know you can't see them on the podcast, but he is, he's been working out. I can see it. I can see it good. He's always, he always has the best beard of anybody I've ever seen. It really is like that. Thanks, um, dude. You're welcome, Lou. We always always appreciate your uh, your facial features. We but... really missed Lou last week. We really <laughs> missed him. <laughs> we did. There was like conspiracy talk and all this stuff, and we'll get into I conspiracy heard, I talk heard. a little bit. So that's a different episode. <laughs> for a different time. That's for that's for Sunday card after dark. Maddie Ice, how are you, my friend? Doing great. Doing great. We are. Um, like I said all, we're just dying for more NFL news. We're living in you know. You get this peak of the draft, and it feels like uh, football's right around the corner, and we still have months and months to go. Well, so, just when, well, we're getting ready for NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs. We got all that fun stuff coming up. Uh, I was gonna say, I was listening to some old episodes of of one of our old podcasts that we did, and uh, there was some takes by Lou Paracon on some of these trades that happened like one or two years ago. Uh, you know, before LeBron. Uh, came to the Lakers and or before Anthony Davis came to the Lakers and all this stuff. And there were some, I, I got to send them to you because there were some takes, Lou. there were some real takes. So now with, the, with all that going on, we'll talk about that a little bit later. We'll get into some NHL things here. What you have to say too, Maddie, but before we do that, let's start with Aaron Rodgers because this is the story that keeps on giving. So I'm truly convinced now that this Aaron Rodgers story is crap basically um really yeah i am because the last week and we really didn't get to discuss it because it happened after we recorded but last week if you watched adam schefter on dan patrick's show adam schefter admits that this whole story did not was not breaking news was not some brand new information that he had gotten that morning it was just the accumulation of everything that had happened in the offseason and before that and the frustrations that these two sides had had. And Adam Schefter literally said on the Dan Patrick show, and we could probably clip it right here and put it in. I'll send it to you, Lou, is just that it just so happened to be on draft day and that that shouldn't matter. And that's when we decided to drop this story, which really wasn't a story at all. That Aaron, first off, Aaron Rodgers has not said anything publicly, so we really don't even know. And B, we know there's frustrations behind the scenes, but this was not something that was breaking. So to me, this story is pretty much a, a, a non-thing for me. I just know that there's frustrations. That's all I really know. I don't know how you see it with that information. I don't know. I mean, so, I mean, and that actually, that's funny because that was kind of what led into our conspiracy talk last week, wasn't it? That we said that this probably wasn't news that necessarily was on draft night. We, I believe we were kind of saying that last week that it was like, this has probably been in his pocket for a couple of weeks. And then, you know, let's, you know, I don't know if it was just Schefter's plan or maybe Aaron Rodgers plan to, to maybe have this news come out on a draft mm-hmm. night. Again, like I said, uh, 
Aaron Rodgers, not a fan of the Green Bay Packers on draft night. So anything he could do to make their lives harder, because uh, they make his lives harder on the draft. Um, I don't know. I mean, I still he still hasn't been a part of the um, you know the virtual um, team meetings and everything that have been going on since April nineteenth. So it's basically a full month of not being involved in those. Obviously, those are voluntary. You know, as everybody says, but what you would expect out of your quarterback who's coming back to try and get this team to a Super Bowl, which they were one game away from, he would be a part of all those meetings. And then, you know, Aaron Rodgers is this tough guy to judge as far as we say. He's a surly, grumpy, grudge-filled kind of guy. So I, I just think him still not being a part of the meetings. And and then as far as you're saying the events, I was reading a, a an article on, on the Worldwide Leader as a, a, about just the bullet points dating back to 2000 either 18 or 19 of just like small events that have happened since he signed his last three-year contract. And even when he signed that three-year contract, he said that that doesn't guarantee anything past the three years. And here we are now. So I don't know. I mean, I think there's, I think if there's smoke, there's fire. I think Aaron would have done a lot more to maybe dismiss this if he was truly committed to this team and didn't want to be like, you know, these rumors are out of him saying that, you know, telling his teammates that he's not coming back. I mean, you would think that a guy that does want to win a Super Bowl would try and get out in front of that and, and dismiss those as fast as possible for his teammates' sake, at least. Right, right. I, I just think that this that we really don't know anything different than what we had speculated on until after the NFC Championship game. The idea that, A, Schefter is saying something that, again, I think we both thought, and I'm not saying that there isn't disagreements and that there really could be a, a, a giant crack in this relationship, but what I am saying is that this whole story was presented to us as a breaking news story, and it clearly was not. It was clearly just an accumulation of everything we already knew that Rogers and and the front office did not like each other, basically. And I and I read that whole article that you're talking about, and again, like we said from the beginning, this is something that has happened from 2018 onward just the things now they got him calling they got him calling him jerry krause out there like you know the calling gutekunst jerry krause which is i mean like and people try to say like that rogers comparing himself to eric to, to michael jordan when he's saying that and I, that's just bullcrap to me but like this whole idea and here's the other thing matt and just looking at the betting markets this morning the packers are minus 175 favorites to have Aaron Rodgers play for them game one of the 2021 NFL season. Your Broncos are plus 125, <laughs> plus 125 right now. What does that kind of say to me is that, what do we talk about all the time? Vegas usually knows things that we don't know. Uh, I mean, that's fair, but I guess, I don't know. I mean, anything, anything is possible as, as, as in the great words of Kevin Garnett, but um, yeah, I get, I get what you're saying as far as the breaking news story and how this isn't really new information. So strictly speculative. And that's again, what I just said at the top of the show, it's we're in the middle of May and we're just thirsty for NFL news. So <laughs> this is the time of year for these kind of stories to, uh, to dominate. So, so I, and we'll talk about the NFL schedule release a little later, but just as a preface of this, if the Broncos do end up getting Aaron Rodgers, they do not have, they have one primetime game on a Thursday night. There are no Aaron Rodgers primetime games Sunday well, night. Or Monday night, if they get them. Well, the Packers are scheduled for three, so we're going to see a little flex option there, so you, I think. So, so you tell me, Lewis. You tell me, Lewis, with the conspiracies, with the bet the narrative, look, Mr. Man, here. Look, look, Why they, they would have... the NFL schedule this so early, have the Packers, and not think that maybe he might be back? 
You know, I was still hoping he'd find his way to a little green team in New York. <laughs> like a previous Packers quarterback. No but, chance. Uh, we got no Monday night games either. So, yeah. <laughs> well, congratulations. You don't have to wait all day and all week to watch your team play. That's all I can say. That That is unbelievable. So that would be really ridiculous. It would be the whole Brett Favre situation. Uh, other news just breaking. How do we feel? How do we feel about Tim Tebow? Tim Tebow returning to Jacksonville on a one-year deal. Tight end Tim Tebow. Everybody dismissing Tim Tebow. Like, it was the best line I think somebody had said was, if Tim Tebow played the oboe, some type of orchestra would pick him up in a heartbeat. You know, like, it was just, it was so good. Uh, Thoughts on Tim Tebow reuniting with his old coach, Urban Meyer, Matt? I I love it just because the Tim Tebow circus lives on. I mean, Tim Tebow just brings the media circus wherever he goes. Like I said, whether it's just uh, from, from college to trying to make it in the NFL to uh, striking out of curveballs in spring training camps uh, all the time, the media follows him no matter what. And do I think he's going to be a hall of fame tight end? No. Do I think that he's going to be even playing every snap? Not even close. I mean, he's going to be a package guy. He's going to be like a, I, you know, they're going to have some tricky stuff planned for him. And then obviously all that we're hearing is that he's a leader and that Urban just wants him for the culture. And they are doing a lot. I mean, they cleared house for the coaching staff. I mean, they they release guys with with years of tenure and they, you know, so they're, they're trying to change the culture, which is what Urban Meyer said, because you really have to do that. I mean, they have that. They were such like such a negative place to be. It was Jacksonville for so long. So they, they, they might just have to, you know, next season it's going to be, I guarantee, whole new uniforms, whole new winning culture. It's just going to be a different Jacksonville. Are we really going to see Trevor Lawrence get pulled out of the game for a couple plays just so that Tim Tebow can play quarterback again? Like, is that, uh, the, is that what the writers will lose their mind? Is, is that what we're doing now? I mean, yeah, he's tight end and everything, but like, is he going to be like Taysom Hill? The guy's apparently – he was actually up here for commencement at Liberty University, and he's apparently back to 250 pounds. So he's uh, he's back to playing level weight. No more homers down in Port St. Lucie. It's now going to be touchdowns in Jacksonville. And honestly, there's no other team that would take him, obviously, uh, because, because of Urban Meyer. I mean, that's literally the only reason Urban Meyer has – just complete overlord rule now in Jacksonville. And I wouldn't be surprised if he tried to get Percy Harvin out of retirement. And, you know, uh, who knows? Who knows what other thing? Maybe Riley Cooper tries he tries to resurrect him. Like, who knows what this guy is going to do? Uh, look, I don't, think Riley, I don't think Riley Cooper and Tim Tebow are necessarily getting along in the same wavelength there. But uh, did you see did you see what uh, your boy Rob Ninkovich said about Tim Tebow? He said that he said he could – he hasn't played in four years. He could put shoulder pads on and go toss Tim Tebow around at tight end. Oh, my. yeah. You know what? You know what? Nick is not necessarily. I mean, Nick was not a big guy, so I yeah. don't know about that. But Tebow, Tebow's just I mean, I don't understand why the hate for Tebow. I love the fact that he trolls everybody and just does him. So I'm all in on the Tebow train for me. I, I don't know. Um other other one more headline before we start talking about NFL schedule release. Big signing by the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts getting Eric Fisher to come to Indianapolis to play left tackle. Only a one-year deal, $9 million. But 
does this basically shore up the Colts? Like, are the Colts now even more in your mind as we were talking about, you know, Carson Wentz MVP? Are the Colts now even more in your mind? Maybe an AFC favorite, possibly outside of the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, this helps, but we have to remember, uh, no, he's, he's probably not even going to start the season. I mean, he's he's coming off the torn ACL in the AFC Championship game. So just about as late in the season as you can get to tear his ACL. So he's got a long time of recovery still to come back. I don't know if he's going to be ready for week one. Um, and then obviously you got to get him involved with a new offensive line um, to get that continuity and everything going. So uh, it definitely could be another one of those things, I think, for the Colts, maybe something similar. Uh, I think we're going to see a similar situation to Tampa Bay last year. The early season's probably not going to look good. Uh, I, I get, speaking of schedule later, like, the one game that I see that stood out to me so bad that I can't get caught in is Seattle at Indy because I'm, I'm like high on Indy this year, but that's a game that Seattle wins, I think, 10 times out of 10 just because of like, I, I don't know, just they, they every year people want to doubt them, but scratch that, get back to Indianapolis. Um, I just think that it's going to take them a while to get continuity, but I think they could be, you know, again, what Tampa Bay was at the end of the year, quarterback gets involved in the system, offensive line gets working, um, and then they could be really be rolling by, you know, weeks uh, 11 to 12. No, I kind of, I like that assessment. I like that assessment. Like they could be like Tampa Bay, which gets me excited for Indianapolis because, you know, obviously there was growing pains last year in Tampa, but they came together and, you know, obviously made it work. So to me with now having that veteran at the left tackle position, you added Quiddy pay already. We didn't love the Colts draft, but we love the Colts roster already. So to me, it just, it kind of shores things up a little bit to me. Like it it helps. It definitely does. It definitely helps. And, and just to add experience to that offensive line. I mean, listen, we've been talking about it already. I think the Colts are, the Colts are ready. And it's, it's all on Carson Wentz though. Like it's still on him, you know? And I think that just adds a burden of confidence uh, to him. So I am supremely, supremely excited for uh the indianapolis colts next year let us talk nfl schedule release i think the nfl is the only league that can make something a day out of nothing like a a draft day release day free agency day uh you know opening day of the regular season or opening day of the of the season is in march and people freak out like you know we just had football it's really the only sport that can do this um let us begin from the beginning. Were you disappointed or excited that it was Cowboys Buccaneers on opening night? Um, I don't. I don't have a problem with it. Um, I, I'd say. I mean, I'm. I'm such a meatball. I've already placed my first bet of the year. Not actually, but we'll be <laughs> taking the over in that game. I, I know myself. I'm. I, I cannot help myself. It's clearly uh, an over game. Uh, no, I think that's fine. I, you know, I think you know, get, they want to get Dak. Obviously, Dak's back after missing. He only played, what, four games? Got week, injured in week four or five last year. Um, so, and, and he was on his way for, for an MVP season. Um, but I, I have no problem with that. We don't have uh, Cowboys-Giants on Sunday night. N- not at all throughout the schedule, which is, oh, is good to see. Um, <laughs> no primetime games because those are always in primetime. Um, I'm more excited about the Monday night game because we got – we got nightclubs out in Las Vegas in the end zone. And I think Baltimore and Vegas, as you know, as much as we don't really think the Raiders are going to be any good this year, I think that game has the all the appeal just for having fans in Las Vegas. I mean, as, as good as it was last year to see, having it, if it's going to be packed this year, I mean, oh. 
And with, with Lamar coming to town, we're going to have bottle service in the giant 11,000 square foot club. You know, I've already gotten the uh, text message. I got a call yesterday. I'm at the gym. Surprise. I'm at the gym. Like big deal. Uh, <laughs> I get a call yesterday from one of our buddies, uh, Mr. Kutso, who's like, Hey, Vegas in October bears at Raiders. We got to go to this club. I just, I, 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 that's all I'm interested in is the club and, and being in the death star. That's all I really care about <laughs> for that game. Obviously with the bears being in town, like it'll be even better. Cause like Justin Fields and I'll watch that. But um, yeah, no Raiders is going to be sweet. I don't love the opening night matchup. I got to tell you, like, I think it's a ratings poll. I'm like, I don't have any interest in watching Cowboys Buccaneers. Obviously I'm going to have interest because it's going to be football, like in Tom Brady and all that, but like Cowboys really like, like we're just, it's a ratings grab for me. It's a ratings grab for me. I feel like I would have been much more intrigued by saints or Packers or some other team. Like, I I don't know. Like to me, I would have, I would have probably preferred something. I would have loved it. I mean, it would have been crazy because you probably couldn't do it. I mean, they've done it before. They did it with the Broncos when they, um, when they had it one year, I think they didn't open at home. They opened on the road. Somebody did. And I didn't really like that a lot, but I mean, to have Patriots Buccaneers week one opening night, that would have been unbelievable. So, Mm. um, yeah, to me, I'm I'm I like this opening slate. By the way, Bucks minus six and a half to open against it in in uh, at home against the Cowboys. You might sprinkle. I don't know. You like the Cowboys a lot. Feel like you might. Look, there's a long off season before we start talking about spreads. All right, I'm just saying long that's off the season. Op- that's the opening spread. If that's the way it is, I feel like you're gonna maybe uh, a little parlay, a little parlay over in uh, the Cowboys. There, I don't know. I don't oh, know. Boy. Oh boy, no more parlays this year. Only the money nope. parlay. <laughs> no more parlays. By the way, um, just running through week one um, and just some of the highlight matchups here. Pittsburgh at Buffalo to open the year. Pretty good mm-hmm. matchup. Uh, Sammy D hosting the New York Jets. Revenge the game. To start the year. Yes. Yeah. Big time. Uh, my, my favorite uh, couple that stand out, like I, I mentioned Seattle and Indy earlier. I think that's really interesting. Um, and then I love you've got um, the Chargers at the Washington football team. Yes, that's a good offensive one. offensive rookie of the year versus defensive rookie of the year. And then people are pointing out about Rashawn Slater uh, that, you know, that's the rematch of the bowl game that he had against Chase Young, which which is uh, yes, which was oh all God. of his entire highlight tape that they showed on draft night was just him beating up Chase Young in a game because that's all you need to know. It's like, look, this guy handled Chase Young for a whole game. Draft him right now. Like, he's really good. That's a sneaky game. Wow. that That's a really good one. I like that one. Uh, Sunday night game, Rams and Bears. I will probably be betting the under for the third straight year because I just – I that game – just never does anything for me. And I know Justin Fields and Matt Stafford is like a new matchup, but yep. man, like I'm just not excited for that game. No, I'm with you on that. People are going to think, oh, it's like, oh, it's a different Bears and it's, you know, Stafford's this rocket arm. And it's like, we're going to be at, still with everybody trying to figure out their offense because it's week one with two new quarterbacks in two, you know, complex systems. Uh, that that one stuck out like a sore thumb. Um, primetime games. Primetime games, unless you had something else on on the schedule release. No, that's good for now. I, I, I'll, I'll get to something after we get to the primetime games. Okay, so primetime games. Here are the ESPN Monday night games, first off. 
Um, obviously, we opened with Ravens and Raiders. That is obviously going to be big time for Vegas. Um, just seeing some of these highlighted games here, weeks two through four, we have three consecutive divisional matchups. But, you know, just kind of going through it, was there anything, I don't know if you have the list up in front of you, but was there anything that stuck out to you for some of these Monday night games that you're either interested in or completely uninterested in? So, yeah, so for Monday night games, I didn't so much look for the – I actually thought a lot of the early Monday night games were kind of underwhelming. I just didn't – I don't know. They didn't stand out to me nearly as much as Sunday night was like – I was making my list for the highlights of the Sunday night football games. I felt like I could have just put the whole schedule on there. I felt like they all looked really good. Um, But Monday night, I said, uh, this is my favorite thing every year is without the flex on Monday night, there's always that one game at the end of the season that you just see it on the schedule and you're like, why do we have to watch this? It's the end of the year. These games, these primetime games are supposed to be like absolutely crucial and important and there's nothing to do. So this is like the, the Monday night that you can like, you can let your girlfriend know, all right, we're not, we're not sitting in front of the TV. It's fine. We can do what you want because you got this absolute stinker of a game on. Um, right out to me, week 16, New Orleans at Miami. Both those teams could be well, well, well out of their division. I mean, I think New Orleans for sure. And then Miami, the more I'm looking at, I was, you know, saying, I think two is going to have a comeback, but still that's a tough division. And with the bills probably running away with it. Um, and then the other one that's out to me would be, um, Tampa Bay at the Giants in week 11, just because okay. I think that those two teams, I mean, that could be like 11 0 versus 0 11. <laughs> I mean, come on. No, that game happened last year on Monday night. In yep, that that's what I'm saying. So it's like, why are we? So I love your Dolphin Saints take because, like, you see all these like divisional matchups all around it. You got Patriots Bills at Buffalo on, in December. You've got Rams Cardinals. That could be a big matchup. Vikings Bears could be a playoff matchup. And then Dolphins Saints. <laughs> yeah. What are we doing with that? Like, who came up with that one for week 16? I mean, I'm generally okay with most of all of this. I agree with you. Like the, the first couple of weeks are kind of underwhelming. Lions, Packers, week two, Eagles, Cowboys, week three is, you know, those are eh games. Uh Giants, Chiefs, like, okay. Giants getting absolutely railroaded, by the way, for having to play the Chiefs and the Buccaneers on Monday Night Football. <laughs> yeah. They're only primetime games. Well, again, I'm sorry, I don't have any Thursday night games. They probably got a couple. But... Uh, they don't – I don't even think they have any Sunday night games, to be honest with you. I no, they, I, they don't. They don't. So that's interesting. Again, um, the Packers have two Sunday night games, and they have uh, three zero, Sunday night games. zero Monday night games. Oh, no, one Monday night game. I'm sorry. Right. So just three for them this year. So again, I'm just looking at that from the Aaron Rodgers perspective uh, to the Sunday night games. Just I, obviously, I think the one that sticks out to me is they put Patriots Buccaneers week four. And I was a little bit disappointed. I was hoping that game might be in like the late November in like the colder weather in Foxborough. Like I, it's just a more hype thing. Maybe those two teams are, I know the Bucs are going to be if the Patriots are fighting for a playoff spot and Tom Brady's coming back. Like, like I really was hoping that would be more of a November game than a September game, but I will sell my kidney to go to that game. I really will. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of had that bookmark that you would be there for that one. Um, other than that, for me, like later on, uh, well, obviously like week two, Kansas city at Baltimore. I mean, that's always yep. just top. I mean, that was an early game last year. Uh, an early Sunday night game last year that that definitely lived up to the hype. 
Um, and then for you know, again, surrounding around Kansas City again, but week 10, Kansas City in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. week 10, Sunday night football. I mean, that's that's gonna be good stuff. Hopefully the Raiders aren't totally dead and gone by then. Um, and then and then week 12, Cleveland at Baltimore. Baltimore, Baltimore on Sunday night's always good just because like you know, obviously you get nighttime and then the stadium's all decked out in the team colors, which are black and purple. And right. they're wearing the black uniforms. It's just like, it feels like, you know, this like death. Yeah. It's just like this murky death bowl of like the Raiders are going to, or the Ravens are going to kill you when they're like, you're at night in like Baltimore and those black <laughs> uniforms. And like, they're just going to come head hunting you. Be, be careful because there is a joke there, but there's, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, with the Browns coming in, I'm so sorry. Uh, with the Browns coming in, uh, yeah, it's like an Edgar Allan Poe movie. It's it or book rather. It's it's just like it's very dreary. I hope there's rain. You know. Like, oh yeah, exactly. Little elements of the weather. Like that's always a good one. Uh, yeah, no, I think stood out. I think this December twenty sixth game, the night after Christmas, Washington at Dallas. I think that could be, that could be a big time, big time game on a Sunday night, right there. Um, I didn't check the week 18 uh, schedule actually, so I don't know what possibly could be flexed into there in the week 18 matchup, but seeing January 9th as the last day of the year has freaked me out. I was like, that is super late, but yeah, the advantages of a 17 game schedule, right? So, I mean, that game kind of stuck out to me. I'm not crazy about the Saints being all over like prime time. I don't know they're, how good they're, they're going to be. They're going to get flexed out. I, well, <laughs> I feel like I've been on this take of like the Saints are going to fall off the past couple of years. And now like, I almost like don't want to discredit them this year. Cause I feel like everybody else is, but then I'd also don't want to do the flip flop and then end up on the other side of it. So I'm going to be in a tough, I'm just in a tough spot with the Saints as far as how I feel about them this year. Yeah. It's, it's just kind of a strange, it's just kind of a strange year for them. And it's not something that, you know, I'm necessarily, inclined to watch you know like if i watched the saints bears game you know last year that game might have intrigued me but like it's not it's not really something that i'm that i'm looking forward to so i just got i got one more thing for the schedule as i want to talk about just future games for for too long but um there's i found an article just i wanted to highlight these seven big revenge games that we can see um see this year um so we obviously said week one you've got uh sammy d uh, taking on the Jets at home in his new home of Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, week four, you've got Tom returning to face the Patriots and Belichick. Uh, week seven, we get Detroit and the Rams, the teams who swapped quarterbacks. So we get we get Jared Goff now in the Lions and, and Stafford on uh, and the Rams. Um, you get the Arizona uh, defectos of, of, of DeAndre Hopkins and J.J. Watt taking on Houston in week seven as well. Um, you have what could be a starting Jameis Winston at quarterback versus oh, Tampa Bay in God. week eight. So if we have Jameis starting against Tampa Bay, that'd be fun. Um, Cam Newton versus Carolina. So if Cam Newton's starting by week nine, that was an interesting one to me that was highlighting this. They're like, oh, Cam Newton plays Carolina. I'm like, week nine, Cam might not even be the starting quarterback. Please, <laughs> but God, no. <laughs> we'll, we'll see then. And then this, this is probably the most interesting one. Um, the 2019 college football championship game, yes. revenge game, Jacksonville, Cincinnati, Trevor Lawrence, and Joe Burrow, week four in Cincinnati. That one is that's the best one right and, there. And you know that game is a Thursday night game. So oh, that's even better. So that that's like a perfect. That might be the 
most perfect Thursday night game because you would never watch Jacksonville and Cincinnati. But the fact that that is the, the quarterbacks, is, yeah, the quarterbacks, like they really lucked the, out. They had to justify that, like we need this in prime time. Okay, Thursday, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you put the, like it's like the rookie show, you know, like on Thursday night. It's it's crazy. Um, I'm looking at these Thursday games and. God, like it's uh, as usual. I mean, yeah, Panthers, Texans. I can't wait to watch that game. Um, you know, Bucks, Eagles, Patriots, Falcons, like all these ridiculous, ridiculous games. Jets and the Colts, like it, it's it's a mess as as usual. So, um, there's definitely there's definitely um some games that we'll definitely want to watch. No question about that. But you know. We'll see what happens. Let's go to a little bit of a new segment we're going to do the next couple of weeks, and that's positional breakdowns of each of these divisions. So I kind of thought this would be interesting just looking at it now that we have basically the rosters generally set. Obviously, there's going to be some veteran cuts, but the the rosters are generally set now. So let's take a look at some of the positional groups. I asked Matt to do this. We're going to go through each positional group and – by division, we will decide who has the best in each division. Sound good? Good for me. I, I just ended up power ranking him because it was just the easiest way for me to do it top to bottom. I don't Perfect. know about you. So. I almost like that better. So um, we'll do that, and we'll go quarterbacks, running backs, then we'll hit the pass catchers, wide receivers, and tight ends, defenses, and then we'll finish up with the coaches. So um, – Let's start with the quarterbacks. I think this is a pretty easy one because we're going to start with the AFC East. And obviously the guy who got second in MVP voting last year is in the AFC East. Uh, Obviously I have Josh Allen as my number one quarterback. I'm interested in hearing your power rankings though. Yeah. I mean, Josh Allen's definitely at the top. Number one. Um, I, (laughs) you're not going to like this. I had to slot Tua Tungavailoa in the Miami Dolphins at number two above the Patriots. I know I I had thought about it because the Patriots have the two options of Cam and Mac Jones, so they basically can go with two different systems. But I'm a Tua guy this year, so I'm banking on Tua. And then I got to put, unfortunately, as good as it is that the Jets drafted Zach Wilson, still kind of at the bottom because he's a rookie and he just got to prove himself. So Jets are Jets are fourth in division, so yeah, Buffalo, Miami, New England, Jets in that order. I don't, I, I can, I can handle that. I mean, I will be the Patriots. They're not the Patriots. Are not that's not their that's not their strength is is quarterback. So like with two of there, it's not a high bar to cross. <laughs> no, it's not. It's it's easily going to be you know could flip flop by the end of the year. Yes, absolutely. I completely agree. Uh, so I completely agree with your uh, power rankings. Running backs, running backs. This one I am a little bit more interested in because there are not really great running back rooms um, in this division. So hit me with your power rankings here. Yeah, so I have I have Buffalo at the top of this one as well. Yeah. Uh, mainly, just, I mean, the, the, the two guys they have, you know, Singletary, and I really liked what Zach Moss started doing last year. He started getting more opportunities as the year went on, and I actually think I could see him being more of the first and second down back and Singletary going to a third down back role, um, I think, this year. Uh, but they also add Matt Breida into the mix. So that, I mean, that's, he's kind of the third down back guy. Um, and then two, I do have New England. Um, obviously, Damian Harris, uh, they bringing back James White was was huge, huge for them. And then you get uh, Ramondre Stevenson uh, in the draft as well. So I think he's a good pick and that's going to pretty much, I noticed there's a certain uh, 
Sony Entertainment System that I didn't mention in that because I don't think he's making the roster this year. Um, three would be Miami with Gaskin and Malcolm Brown. It's okay, but it's only ahead of the Jets because they have Michael P. Ryan, and that's I mean that's like the only running back they have at the room. So that's I think they got to address that. Evan Coleman coming to the Jets uh, as well. Oh yes, 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 Evan Coleman. So but, so uh, yeah, I actually would. And I've tried not to be biased in this whole thing, but I did flip the Bills and the Patriots. I, I do think that even though Singletary, Fair. Singletary, I don't see Zach Moss yet really being a reliable. Like mm. I, 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 he's still got stuff to work out, um, definitely. And Matt Breida, to me, I think there's a reason why he's been jumping from team to team to team. Um, but uh, to me, I think the Patriots kind of have the most depth. Uh, at running back still, I think they're really actually, they know how to point their running backs in certain positions. I think Damian Harris is really, really talented and, and ready to mm. take over that role. But bringing James White back was the reason why I had the Patriots just ahead of Buffalo, just to have that pass catching back. And Ramondre Stevenson is also that pass catching back. He's done a lot of that in college. So I'll be interested. And Sony Michelle, until he's off the team, he's still on the team. But see you later. Like that's basically what I'm with the Sony Michelle. <laughs> Sooner um, rather than later. Yeah, exactly. We're we're upgrading to a Roku. Sorry, we don't have to, <laughs> we don't have uh, DVD players anymore, Sony. Uh, so that's interesting. And honestly, the Dolphins and Jets just don't have <laughs> just basically don't have running back rooms. No. Um, Let's go to do pass catchers because this one is interesting. So I decided to just kind of put wide receivers and tight ends both in the same category. I think they're generally that way. Um, who do you have at number one in this category? I, this is a tough one for me. Yeah, it was between two teams. Um, there's one team that has the best receiver in the division, but I think as far as a group, um, I, I am going to take Miami. I just – I think – what they add with Waddle and with Fuller um, to go along with with uh, Devontae Parker and then Mike Kosicki, who's a fantastic tight end. Um, I just think that they you know, upgraded that room a ton. Um, and obviously the number two team I'm talking about would be the Bills. Stephon Diggs, best singular receiver in the division, best connection with his quarterback. But um, again, they lose John Brown. Um, you know, They still have Cole Beasley, who's just always fighting injuries. They bring in Emmanuel Sanders, who's who's really late in his career at this point. And Gabe Davis is going to be taking out, taking on probably that, you know, secondary outside role. And I just don't know. I, I think he's a downgrade from John Brown. I mean, he had some flashes last year, but he is just such a, a deep threat or nothing kind of guy. So um, I had to put them behind Miami. And then I slotted the Jets in above New England because okay. the New England, as good as the tight ends are, just have the worst wide receivers still. I mean, Kendrick Bourne, Aguilar, and Myers. It's just, I can't do anything with that. Versus I actually, you know, the Jets bringing in Corey Davis is great. Jameson Crowder is a really good piece for them. Denzel Mims can break out. Um, and then every fantasy manager last year is just waiting for Chris Herndon to get an opportunity. And now with Adam Gase out of town, maybe he can actually run routes, even though Gase had him blocking like 80% of the time last year. If they use Chris Herndon, they might be close to number one here. I Like the only reason the Bills are obviously ahead of, the Jets and maybe they aren't. I don't know. Like I, I think the Jets still have a ton of good weapons. Adding Corey Davis into that mix, and, and then adding Elijah Moore. By the way, um, yes, I forgot. I didn't include Elijah Moore. Yeah, yeah. Like Elijah Moore is also added. The Jets might be number two. Like to me, it's it's pretty close. And you know, Buffalo. 
Buffalo, I now look at them and see like, man, they really only have one guy. Like if they utilize, and it's not to say that they're going to be a bad team. They obviously are, but if they utilize Dawson Knox, if they utilize, you know, Gabriel Davis or Isaiah McKenzie or one of these players, you know, they're obviously going to benefit from that, but there are a lot of gadget guys, a lot of gadget guys in Buffalo, you know? So to me, and again, the Patriots, Yes, they may have the best tight end crew, but I completely agree with you. Miami, by far, I think Miami, like far and away, far and away, mm. the best weapons. I don't think I mean, they have four really solid pass catchers. Yeah, it's not, it's not close with them. Like they're really, really, really good with, you know, like you said, Bowler, Parker, Waddle, and then Gasicki. Like if Tua is going to have any, I mean, Tua is going to have any success, you know, it's got to be, it's, it's here. Like he has the weapons. So there's no real excuses. Exactly. Um, best defense, best defense. I'm go, very interested in this. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Take it away. It's easy. It's a close, close case. I mean, what the Patriots added this year, like, I mean, to add Matt Judon and Kyle Van Noy alone, uh, to be able to pass, rush the passer, that alone is massive. And then, um, the linebacking core getting way deeper with, with, uh, with Hightower coming back to help Bentley out. They have, Winovich, Uche. I mean, they have so many guys that are set to to pass rush. They're so deep. You add to re-sign Lawrence Guy. You add on Christian Barmore, the best tackle there available. Uh, Godshop from Miami. They're deep there. The cornerback position might be the deepest of all because you've got you still got Gilmore, you still got Jackson, you still got Jonathan Jones. All three of those guys at their position could be argued to be the best at their position right now. I mean, they are really loaded, and McCordy's still back there with Adrian Phillips to anchor the safeties. I just can't see how you put anybody right now. I Buffalo, I could definitely see maybe, but New England's just way too deep, way too deep. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I see it the same way. Like I said, the secondary group was good last year. No matter, you know, the, the team had had its struggles, but the secondary group has always been good. And then they absolutely just just pack up the front seven. And like you said, you already have Hightower just returning and then adding more pieces to it. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, that's like you said, quarterback's not your strength. This is going to be how you're going to win games this year. Um, I, I, you know, as far as just going down, I do have Buffalo second. Um, we, 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 we kind of like, you know, we like the pieces that they add on the defensive line, going to see how they, how they fit in, if they, if they can get after the quarterback a little more, but they have a tremendous secondary as well. Mm-hmm. And then the last two teams, in the division, it's kind of like, for me, it's, if you like the dolphins, you like your secondary to be a little more uh, shirt up. If you like the jets, you like your front seven to be a little more shirt up. I th- you know, if they, those te- teams merge, they'd have an elite defense, but I think that, you know, they, they both have kind of a, a weakness in their defense. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the jets just, have not really addressed secondary and they need to. And the dolphins as, as good as the dolphin secondary looks on paper, I think a guy like Byron Jones really has not lived up to the billing. Like he really didn't do much last year. The Xavier Howard being there, you know, obviously he's, I think he led the league in interceptions last year. So he's one of the top corners in the league, but yeah, they, they lost a lot of guys. They lost the, a lot the, of guys on that Dolphins defense. They, they do bring in Justin Coleman. They bring in Justin Coleman at Nickelback, which okay. I think is, is, okay. a good, is a really good pickup from Detroit. Yeah, that's a really good pickup. They cover the slot. Uh, and then coaching. Coaching's the last one. And, I mean, it's hard not to have Belichick at the top here. So, I mean, I don't know where you stand. But I'd be interested in hearing your rankings of these coaches because we do have one new coach that we haven't seen yet. But – Flores and McDermott. I mean, a lot of people like Flores uh, a lot, but 
I mean, the way Sean McDermott has built his team, it's like it's hard not to pick him either, you know? Yeah, I don't know. This one's this one's kind of clear cut for me. I feel like it's just it's it's Belichick, McDermott, Flores, and then Salah. Just again, just rookie head coach. And, you know, as far as Flores, uh, I mean, he was in you know talks of of like coach of the year for his first couple seasons that he's had in Miami and every you know everything. He's he's going to turn them around. Um, so, but yeah, that was pretty clear cut for me as far as like you have to put Bill first, but McDermott, you know, won the division last year with what he did with his coaching, and so that seems like it was pretty straightforward. It's a division that I don't think is as clear cut though as many people think it is and that the bills are just going to run away with it. I think there really is either going to be Miami or new England. That is, that is going to make a push for this division. I don't see this just being lock, stock and barrel with Buffalo and, and being the darlings. And I think we said this right after the season uh, that Buffalo might be in for some regression next year. Yeah, no, I mean, they, they won a lot of really close games. Like they, you know, there was a lot of, you know, you can look at those numbers as far as like winning by like one score games. Um, uh, and then, you know, looking at teams like, like I remember like the reason we like Carolina so much this year and just pop, hopping around divisions, like they lost eight games by one score. So you got to look at things like that. And, and from year to year, kind of the variance that you're going to see. I'm excited. I'm excited. This is going to be a lot of fun uh, going forward and, and doing these positional breakdowns uh, and getting my team out of the way. So we can't get accused of bias. So that will be yeah. really, it'll be, it'll be fun the rest of the way. I'm excited. Um that's it for this show. Maddie, anything on the hockey front? We got hockey playoffs coming up, man. You got anything going? We do have hockey playoffs coming up. It's exciting. It's 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 just so different this year with the playoff structure and how uh, you know, the seating's a little different. We're gonna be playing within the divisions um that have been structured all year. So you got the top four teams from there that are all gonna eliminate each other, and then you're gonna have the winners of those just create the semifinal uh where they'll do some reseeding. Um, as far as like yeah, some futures for me that I that I put in early on. Uh, I have I have futures on Toronto, Tampa Bay. Um, I took those. I think maybe a month or two into the season when Toronto just was really rolling. I think that they have a legitimate chance. They finally have Frederick Anderson has now had a couple seasons where he is showing that he is the guy. It's kind of shirt up their goal, some of their goaltending questions that they've had for a long time, and their offense is going nuts. Austin Matthews having best year of his career can mm. score absolutely at will right now. So I think this team has a lot of confidence, um, and I think that they have a really solid chance of getting out of um, the North, the Canadian division, um, because again, I just think teams like the Oilers are not just not deep enough, and you know McDavid makes the playoffs, but he can't just do it all by himself like he does right. every single game. Just to note, this man had a hundred points in a 56 game season. Jeez. Unbelievable. Connor and and he scored I think it was like 25 in his final 10 games. So it's not like it was like a a, a given thing. All of a sudden the last 10 games he started scoring at such a pace it was like this guy's going to get 100 points. I mean he he had a, just an absolute insane tear at the end of the season. Reminds you of another guy that played in Edmonton many moons ago. I mean, this guy really yeah. I, I, if people don't think this guy is not the best player in hockey, they're smoking crack. Uh, it's just, it's crazy. It's, it's just totally crazy. I, any predictions you got any like Stanley cup predictions before we get into it? Like if you gun to your head, who would you pick? It's so hard. Cause I don't, I just don't know. I don't even know how, who I could pick for my matchups the way that the, like, there's not a That's bracket true. style I can follow. So it's so crazy. So if I had to pick, if I had to pick division winners to come out of the four to make this, okay. I could pick the semifinals easier than I could pick the finals. Um, I'll take Toronto out of the North. I am going to just hope that this is the year that Carolina can can take them out. Carolina won the division. That was actually one of my my preseason bets that I hit 
that is, you know, everybody they're in the same one as, as Tampa Bay. Um, but, you know, coming off of such a crazy year in the long, uh, you know, COVID playoff of last year, I thought they'd be a little tired after a long run. And Carolina is just such a good, especially a regular season team. So they came out on top of that division. That was a nice plus 400 cash in there. Um, but I that. like, yeah, that was good. Um, to, to go along with all my other losers that I have on all the, tro- <laughs> all, the all the trophies that are not going to hit. Um, we don't talk about those. No, we don't talk about the losers on the show. Um, but yeah, so I like Carolina. Uh, the Metro is so damn hard, but yeah. I think it's going to be the Bruins because Taylor really? Hall, ever since the freaking addition to Taylor Hall, they have been just unreal. Tuka Rask is probably the biggest question of the goaltending is going to be the question if Tuka could be solid. Um, and then I'm trying to think of the, the last division. I don't even have in front of me. Oh, and then we've got West, Vegas, yeah. Vegas, uh, Colorado. I, that is, that's just a, a meat grinder. Um, I, I think Vegas is, has the best chance at it this year. Uh, I think Vegas probably coming out. I would love to see a Vegas and Toronto final. If that's what we're going to just talking through it. Now a Vegas and Toronto final would be uh, something very fun to watch. Ooh, I, I, I wouldn't mind that. There's a lot of offensive firepower in that one. And Vegas oh, yeah. is a bunch of brutes too. So, I mean, that would be, that would be a lot of fun and having the finals in Vegas again. I wouldn't, mm-hmm. that, you know, are they doing the finals at a, at a neutral site or, uh, I, I think everything's traveled this year. Okay. Uh, I, I believe. Um, but again, they, they, they figured if they keep it, if they kept it within the division, um, as far as for the first two rounds, um, you know, getting through those four teams that should help like the, the travel concerns and too much traveling as far as, um, you know, intermingling rosters playing against each other and stuff. Beautiful. I love it. Hockey playoffs starting up this week, the best playoffs of any professional sport without question. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a yeah. lot of fun. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. We'll be back next week. Get some NFL headlines in. We'll do some AFC, uh, NFC East uh, positional breakdowns. And and maybe we'll sprinkle a little hockey. Maybe a little basketball, Lewis. A little basketball. See, I peeked his ears. Like a little rabbit ears went right up there. You see that? Uh, we'll, we'll mix in a bunch of stuff there. But for Lemon Pepper, Lou Paracon, our wonderful esteemed uh, producer, and for Matty Ice, Matty C. Matt Silberth, I'm Dan Zampano. We thank you for listening to the Sunday Card.